This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place now and for future generations. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 20 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I am going to share how you can get started on the right foot with all of the school staff that work with your child this school year. As this episode is airing, it is August, which means that your child is either already starting school or getting ready to start school. And those first couple weeks of school can be a big transition for a lot of people, especially after being off for the summer. So I wanted to give you some tips for how you can set the stage to have really good communication with all of the professionals who are working with your child in the school this year. As someone who has worked in the school systems, I spent about 14 years in the schools working as a school speech pathologist, and I also have a child who is in school right now. I've been on both sides of this scenario, both being the professional getting ready for the school year and also being the parent who is getting ready to send my child to school. So I have experienced both ends of the spectrum here. And I know that as I've talked to both teachers and other professionals who work in the schools and also parents who may or may not have experience working with the schools or working in the schools, 
I hear a lot of questions, sometimes complaints, or comments about why people act the way that they do. So I wanted to share for parents the perspective of the the teachers and other therapists and administrators who are working with your child, what these first couple weeks of school are like for them, so that you can have an understanding of how to best approach them so that you can build a really good relationship with them for the rest of the year so that you can work together to support your child. Before I get going with the meat of the episode, I wanted to mention my free parent guide that will walk you through all of the different types of executive functioning skills. Again, executive functions are the skills that allow you to be productive and organized and get things done and work towards specific goals in your day. So basically, these are the skills that allow you to get things done on time, work towards deadlines, self-monitor, make sure that you're paying attention to key information so that you can essentially get out the door on time and do all of the things that you need to do. Obviously, as your kids are growing up, you know that you might have to support them with these types of independent skills, but you would expect over their school age years from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade that you see progress in these skills. And when you're thinking about the first couple weeks of school, a lot of times some of the things that the teachers are working on with your kids are just some of those organization type skills and helping them get their materials together. And of course, they are working on academic skills, but they're really laying the groundwork for how they're going to get organized, how they're going to manage their work and things like that and setting up those routines so that kids are ready to attend and learn. So as a parent, one of the most powerful ways that you can support your child those first couple weeks of school is to really pay attention to those executive functioning skills and organization and be communicating with your child's teachers and other professionals that they work with, therapists and administrators or anyone else that they're interacting with to really communicate with them about some of those independent skills that they are going to want to see your child build this year which of course executive functioning is always important, but it is one of the key things that teachers and other educators are really focusing on the first couple weeks of school. So if you haven't yet, I highly recommend that you download my free parent guide that walks through those eight executive functions so that you can really understand what those skills are and why they're going to be so important for your child at the beginning of the school year, and also just as they are growing up and developing. So to grab that parent guide, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide, and you'll be able to sign up to get that. You're going to want to check your inbox. It'll get sent to your inbox, and you'll be able to download it. And you'll also be added to my email list so that you will be one of the first people to know when doors to my parent training programs are open and also when podcast episodes air. Again, that is drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide 
to grab that free guide and learn about those executive functioning skills that are going to be so important to your child as they are growing. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. So now let's get into the episode and talk a little bit about what things are like that first couple weeks of school, maybe even the first month of school for the teachers and therapists working with your child so that you can start the year on the right foot. So first, obviously, I am a speech pathologist. I worked in the public schools for 14 years as a school SLP. So I was definitely on the end of having to scramble and try to get ready for the school year those first few weeks. So obviously I was not a teacher, but I worked closely with a lot of teachers. So I can really speak to the SLP's perspective and can give some insight to what teachers are going through. To give a little bit of context, one of the most annoying things that people say to teachers and other therapists who work in the schools is, oh, your job must be so easy. You get summers off. It must be so great. Yada, yada, yada. Well, really, for a lot of people who work in the schools, if they are on a nine-month school year type of situation, how it ends up working is that... There is at the end of the school year, obviously, depending on where you are in the United States or in the world, a lot of schools will get out in May or June. It kind of varies depending on what state you're from. But really, once the kids leave school, the work really isn't finished. A lot of people who work in the schools are so rushed at the end of the year. It's so crazy that a lot of them end up doing a fair amount of work in their rooms to prepare for the next school year throughout the month of June. So really, a lot of people are doing work in June. A lot of times what teachers or SLPs end up doing is that they'll catch up on things like professional development and training or just getting new materials and things like that to get ready for the next school year. So they do end up working a fair amount in June. Depending on where you're from, some schools may start even as early as late July, early August. Some of them might be more mid-August, September. It really kind of depends where you're from. But again, what ends up happening is that a lot of people who work in the schools do end up as early as they possibly can They want to get into their classrooms, their offices, and get things set up for the school year. So really, it seems like for a lot of people, like, oh, you have this entire three months off. Well, really, the only month that is completely off for a lot of people who work in the schools is July. And even then, it it is kind of hard to unwind. So it doesn't really end up being a full three months off for anyone, especially if you have a teacher who is also doing some type of coaching for different extracurricular activities. A lot of times they have things to do in the summer. So they aren't fully off. And then what happens is that, yes, they do have some time off in the summer, but During the school year, it's so crazy and they can't take any time off. I know that I have a lot of people who they might have some family members who work in the schools 
And then they have other family members who might have a different type of job where they can accrue vacation time. And I know that I've been in part of some conversations where it's, hey, we're all going to take a trip in January or we're all going to get together to go to this destination wedding in February. And it's during a random time when there is not typically a school break and other people are able to take time off during those non-peak times, you know, away from summer and spring break. But people in the schools, they do get breaks, but they only can take breaks during those times because you literally cannot take any time off and you have very little flexibility during the school year if you're not going to take breaks during those times. So with that in mind, just know that even though your child's teacher or other therapist that is working in the schools may have had some time off in the summer, when it's during those times in the school year, when it's been a while since there's been a break, They are really going full throttle. And another thing to think about, I know that when teachers are working, yes, a lot of times the school day may end at three or four o'clock, but many of them pull an insane work week. It's 60, 70 hours per week. They're lucky if they can get it down under 50 hours a week because there's so much work. So yes, they might have that time off during the summer, but they end up working a pretty insane schedule the rest of the year. So if you were to compare, let's say, a corporate job to a job in the schools, a lot of times if you tally up the number of hours being worked throughout the year, the teachers and other school professionals end up working way more hours overall. So keep that in mind when you are working with your child's teachers administrators and therapists, people who work in the schools, they do what they do because they love it. And a lot of times it can be a thankless job. So if you just remember that when you are approaching the professionals that are working with your child, that can set you up to really approach them in a way that allows you to have a good working relationship. If you can just have some appreciation and respect for what they're doing, that can go a long way. With the first couple weeks of school, they're just getting back into that routine. A lot of them are learning a whole new class of of kids trying to figure out their, their new caseload if they are a therapist. And so a lot of it is just getting organized and really trying to get their things together. I know that when I was working as a therapist, we would get a lot of pressure from administrators to start our schedule as soon as possible. A lot of times parents would want to know, when are you going to see my child for therapy? When are you going to start working on these skills that my child needs to work on? But then on my end, as a therapist, I would have to go around to all the different teachers that I was working with. I had usually at least five to six grade levels I would be covering, and then there's several teachers per grade level. So I would have to coordinate with all of those teachers and figure out when I could take their kids for speech. And I would have to figure out when we could do that. And a lot of times when I would go around to teachers, they would be 
also scrambling to try to put their schedule together because they might have to coordinate with other professionals, other teachers, and figure out what they were doing. And that would take them a week or two to figure out their regular schedules. So then that would push my scheduling back as well. So really those first couple weeks, everybody is just trying to figure out Am I going to be where I need to be when I need to be there? And am I going to be making contact with the kids that I need to be serving the right amount of times and at the same time still trying to provide quality services? So there's really a lot of scrambling. And then on top of it, there's all these beginning of the year meetings and things like that. So if you are wanting to contact a teacher during the first weeks of school, if you're wanting to contact your child's therapist during the first couple weeks of school, then I highly recommend that you do that. But also keep in mind that this is probably one of the most stressful times of the year for them. So if you don't hear back from them right away, or if you get kind of a rushed response, then definitely follow up with them and offer some grace there if that is something that happens. With all of that in mind, I wanted to give some additional recommendations for what you should do during those first couple weeks of school because just because your child's teacher or therapist are busy, they still have a responsibility, a legal obligation to provide the services to your child. So it's definitely not an excuse for them to not provide the services that your child is entitled to. So you do definitely have the right as a parent, and I definitely recommend that you do make contact with them and start that communication right away at the beginning of the school year. So I wanted to share a couple tips for doing that in a way that can acknowledge what they might be going through, but at the same time, allow you to be a good advocate for your child. Because you certainly want to make sure that if your child has some specific concerns that you let them know right away. The first thing that you want to do, and this is so obvious that it seems silly to say it, but the first thing that you want to do those first weeks of school, if not the very first week, is just introduce yourself to your child's teacher or teachers. So if you have a child who's in the younger grades, they typically will just have the one teacher and they might go to some other classes. They might have their specials. If they get therapies, then they'll have their therapies, but they typically get the majority of their core instruction from the same teacher. Now, if you have a child who is late elementary, early secondary, then they are typically starting to switch classes, but they will typically have a homeroom teacher. So you want to figure out who your child's homeroom teacher is and then their case manager. So let me just explain the difference between those two things. So any kid who is in the school system typically has some kind of a home room teacher or a home base teacher. That is something that is standard in the general education curriculum. Again, if your child is younger, it's their, their primary classroom teacher that they're assigned to. But if they're in the older grades, then they might have some kind of a homeroom teacher where they might touch base in the morning before they start switching classes. So you want to make sure you know who that teacher is because that can serve as your first point of contact if you want to figure out 
your child's schedule and where they are. Because if they do switch classes, then that homeroom teacher is going to be the one that can be someone who can put you in contact with the other teachers that your child is working with. They might have a better understanding of your child's schedule and tell you who they have for what. Now, if your child has some type of specialized services that they get, if they have an individualized education plan, which is if they have special education services, then they will also have an IEP case manager. So that is the person that is their point of contact. And that person typically works with the other therapists or the teachers and make sure that based on whatever plan your child is entitled to, that they're getting access to those services. So if you have a child who does get special education services, they will also have an IEP case manager. And that may or may not be the same person as their homeroom teacher. But either way, you're going to want to know who that person is. And oftentimes that will be the same person for multiple years. So if they are in an elementary school building, they'll typically have the same case manager throughout their entire elementary school experience. That's not always the case, but is often the case. So sometimes that case manager can follow your child across grade levels. It may be the same person who is your child's home base or homeroom teacher, but oftentimes it's someone different. So you want to figure out who that person is because they're also going to be a good person for you to contact if you have questions about what services your child is getting. And they might not be able to answer all of your questions, but if you call them, they'll probably be able to direct you to somebody who will be able to provide that information for you. So the very first thing that you want to do is make sure that you introduce yourself and contact those two people, the homeroom teacher and the case manager. Now, if your child does not have special education services, you want to make sure that you are communicating with that homeroom teacher. So that's the first thing. Again, just a simple introduction. This could be at parent orientation. You can do this in person. If there is some type of in-person orientation, this could be through a simple call or an email. Whichever way is the most convenient way for you to communicate with them. So that would be the first thing. The second thing would be you want to figure out the best way that you can contact that particular teacher or professional, whether it be a teacher or a therapist. So when you're introducing yourself to the school staff, you want to figure out the best way that you can get the quickest response from them. A lot of teachers might have some type of system in place where there might be some kind of a message board where you can ask them questions. Some teachers prefer email. Some of them might prefer a phone call or a note, or they might have some type of a homework folder where you can put the note that will get to them. Figure out how that particular teacher likes to communicate so that you can find out the quickest way to get a response from them. Because Let's say that you have something that comes up in the middle of the school year and you need to get a message to your child's teacher and you're frantically trying to figure out, okay, do they check their email every day? Should I call them? Should I leave them a note? 
you want to figure out the best way to do that before you're in some type of an, an emergency crisis mode so that if you want to communicate with them and let them know something that's going on or ask them a question, you know how to do that. So figure out their preferred mode of communication and also let them know the best way to reach out to you. I always, when I am mentoring people who work in the schools, I always recommend that they get in contact with their students' parents and figure out the best way that they can reach them. A lot of people have different ways that they like to communicate. So I always recommend that the teachers also adapt to your unique needs. Now, you can't guarantee that somebody else is going to accommodate you. I think that teachers should accommodate you if you ask to be communicated with in a certain way. I think that they should be flexible and respectful of that. So the best way to advocate for yourself is just to let them know if you have some specific needs, maybe you do not want to be contacted on your work phone, you want to be contacted on your cell phone. Maybe you have a work email that you only want them to use if it is a dire emergency or something like that. But typical communication, you want to be using some other type of email or phone number, whatever that is, just let them know. Another thing that can be really helpful to let teachers know is if there is a situation where there are parents who are divorced and there is a child who is going back and forth between households. You want to let the teacher know about that and let them know all of the people that they need to communicate with and how to get a hold of you and anyone else that might be taking care of your child. So if there's any kind of unique situation like that, just let your child's teacher know. And again, make sure that you're introducing yourself right away so that they can remember who you are and know that if you do this the first week of school, you might go up and introduce yourself and the teacher might have so many different parents interacting with them. You might want to follow up with them a couple weeks later and just touch base and remind them because a lot of Teachers, a lot of therapists have a really good system of being able to keep track of all of this information, but it's just always really nice if you can make it easier for them in any way possible. So sometimes just that follow-up and that reminder can be really helpful if they haven't responded to you right away or if it's taking them a while. A lot of times it might be just that they're getting totally slammed. It's not that they don't care about helping your child. And usually when that happens, if they don't respond right away, they probably feel really bad about it and they really appreciate the reminder and the just the follow-up. So as long as it's done nicely, then many of them will appreciate you following up. A lot of teachers and a lot of therapists just appreciate so much when they have parents who are involved and want to know about ways that they can support what's going on in the classroom and whatever their child is doing in all of their therapies. So they will appreciate that. So the first thing is, is just the introduction. The second thing is just communicating with them about What's the best way to communicate with them and get a response from them? And then also letting them know 
what's the best way for you to be able to respond quickly and what's the easiest way to communicate with you and then any other unique things that you might need to let them know about your child's situation regarding communication. Obviously, the first things were just about basic communication. I know that that is something that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your child's skills. But if you don't have communication, then obviously you're not going to be able to coordinate and talk to each other about about working on specific skills. So that's why the third thing that I would recommend doing is to give your child's teacher and therapist and anyone that's working with them a heads up about anything that they might need to know about your child. Sometimes there might be situations where, again, these these teachers, these therapists, they're getting to know their caseload. They're getting to know their all the kids that are coming to their classes, and they are really scrambling to try to figure out just, again, basic organization of what are they going to teach when, things like that. But at the same time, they're wanting to get to know their kids and their needs and figure out how to serve all of these students in the best way possible. And many times there are big caseloads, big classes, and it's really hard to get a pulse for every single student. Some students might have needs and behaviors that are a little more obvious, but for many kids, it's easier for them to slip through the cracks if they are kind of in the corner, just quietly struggling. Teachers do their best to figure out what's going on with all of their kids, but it is really challenging those first couple weeks of school to understand the ins and outs of what's going on with all of their students. So the more you can support the teachers and give them a heads up about what your child might need, the better. If you can give them some tips right off the bat about some things to look for, some recommendations and things that have been done in the past, that will be really helpful. Obviously, if your child has an IEP, then they might already be getting a heads up. They might know which students have IEPs, but an IEP is a written document with a bunch of technical jargon on it. It is not a representation of a human being. So a lot of times teachers might get an IEP and they might know what disability diagnoses or medical diagnoses that your child has, but every diagnosis impacts someone differently than another person. So you want to give them a heads up about how it impacts your child, some things that they might want to look out for. Anything that you think would be helpful to them, whether it be some common things that your child might struggle with and ways to support them, or just anything that might help them to support your child. If they are someone who tends to kind of slip through the cracks, you don't want to wait for your child to fail. You don't want to wait for the teachers to catch those types of things, because a lot of times it is really difficult for them to work through all of that with all the students that they're working with. So if you can get ahead of things and advocate for your child right away and let those teachers know, then they're already going to have that on their radar 
And they're already going to be that much closer to figuring out how to best support your child. Definitely do not wait for someone else to figure it out. Don't wait for the school staff to be the ones to initiate. You can definitely initiate that. Or let's say that you have a child who does not have any specific specialized services. Maybe they don't have an IEP, but you're concerned and you think, you know what, I I think my child might need to be evaluated. I think there might be something going on. A lot of times people will wait and say, well, let's just see how the school year goes and see what the teachers say. I do not recommend doing that. If you have concerns, if you think something isn't right, I highly recommend saying something because with the vast number of responsibilities school staff have, if there are really subtle symptoms and if your child is someone who, again, is kind of sitting in the corner quietly struggling, it can be really hard for teachers to stay on top of that and figure out that they are struggling. And I would recommend saying something right away if you have a concern, if you think that your child needs to be evaluated I recommend saying something sooner rather than later. So when you do the first couple weeks of school, yes, the very first day of school, if you think your child needs an evaluation, it's probably not going to happen that first day. But I would do all the things that I said, talk to the teacher, let him know how you best communicate. And then within those first couple weeks, as you're having that back and forth with the teacher, I would be talking about it then so that you can get the ball rolling on anything that you think your child needs those first couple weeks. Because yes, the teachers are overwhelmed. The therapists that your child is working with might be overwhelmed. But if you can get ahead of things and be persistent with those types of things, it is going to be way more likely that things are going to happen for your child. Again, a lot of times... It is easy for kids to slip through the cracks because there is so much going on those first couple weeks of school. So if you can proactively be advocating for your child, asking questions, communicating, then that is going to make it way more likely that your child is going to get what they need sooner rather than you just waiting. Because again, it's easy for kids to slip through the cracks when there's a lot going on. And it's not because people are being lazy and they don't want to help. It's just because of the way that the system works, unfortunately. I think we would all, as professionals, I know that when I was working in the school system, I would have loved to have a smaller caseload and to be able to have way more time with all of my students. And I know that teachers who have really big class sizes feel the same way and they're everybody is doing their best. So you as a parent, by communicating with your teacher, you are actually helping them do their job better. And anyone who's working in the school systems, the majority of them really do want to do what's best for your child. So that communication is actually going to help them do that. So it will be appreciated. To review those things that you can do those first couple weeks of school is number one, introduce yourself, make contact right away. But give teachers grace if they don't respond right away within that 24-hour period and don't feel bad about following up a couple days later. And then when you do make that contact, figure out the best way that both of you communicate so that you know how to 
get in contact with your child's teachers and therapists and so that you can let them know how to best communicate with you. And then finally, give the therapists and teachers, administrators, anyone working with your child, give them a heads up. And if you have any concerns, if there are things that you want them to know about your child, do it proactively. Don't wait for them to figure it out. Just help them out because that will be something that allows them to pay attention to those things that your child needs so that they can serve them in the best way possible. So this is a good place to wrap up. Thank you so much for listening. And again, if you have not downloaded it yet, I highly recommend that you check out my free parent guide that walks through the eight different types of executive functioning. Executive functioning skills are the skills that allow you to be organized and disciplined And a lot of times if kids have a hard time keeping track of their things, maybe their personal belongings around the house, they have a hard time keeping track of their homework assignments, meeting deadlines, being where they need to be on time, getting out the door on time, or just figuring out when you ask them to do a task, being able to do it independently without you needing to prompt them, then many times those skills needed to do those activities that I've just mentioned are executive functioning skills. Those things that allow you to be productive and engage in goal-directed behavior so that you can get things done. As you approach these first couple weeks of school, whether you have a child who is in early elementary school and may still need some support with these types of skills, or whether you have a child who is in secondary school or high school who might be expected to do some of these things more independently, this guide will be extremely helpful for you, especially if you have a child who does need some support, who maybe leaves their things laying around the house, who has a hard time meeting deadlines, who struggles to keep their assignments organized. Well, Because we're at the beginning of the school year, now is a great time to start laying the groundwork for the year and getting organized and starting the year on the right foot. And the first step to doing that is really understanding what all of these executive functioning skills are, because it's more than just using a planner to stay organized. If you don't understand these specific skills, then it can be hard to figure out how to support your child. So As I always say, the first step is understanding what the issue is so that you know how to intervene. So that's why in this free parent guide, I explain exactly what executive functioning skills are and why they're so important for your child. To grab that guide, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide and you will be able to sign up. You'll also be added to my mailing list where you'll get information about other parent training, and also you'll know when the podcast episodes air. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. Before we wrap up, I wanted to remind you that it really helps us out if you leave us a five-star rating and review On Apple, all you need to do is search for Are They 18 Yet and click the tab 
that says ratings and reviews, and you'll be able to leave us a review. And the more ratings and reviews we get, the more positive feedback we get, the better we know how to support you, and the more likely that we will be able to get this information into the hands of people who need it. So again, just go to Apple, search for Are They 18 Yet?, and leave us a five-star review. We would appreciate that so much. So now we will wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in episode 21. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.